go. Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Welcome to the last chapel service for our, our fall trimester. Give yourselves a hand. You made it this far. Let us all stand as we worship this evening. It's good to have a good friend of ours this evening, um, Pastor Gene Great from Springs First. Let's welcome him. He's right here. He's going to bring us the word. We had a wonderful time last week, didn't we? The night of worship and the night of a good time of surrender. And Let's continue uh, that spirit this week and even this evening. Let's worship. I once heard uh, Dr. Curtis Smith, who is president of Mid-American Nazarene College, whose responsibility as your president, Dr. Graves, is to go to many district assemblies. And he was at one district assembly, and they saved the Mid-America College report to the very end. And after about two and a half days, they were two and a half days back then, not a day and a half like they are now, one of the pastors on the front seat, not knowing who he was, leaned over and said, are, are you going to stay till the bitter end? He said, friend, I am the bitter end. <laughs> so I'm your last chapel. I am the bitter end <laughs> for you. My goodness. The Bible says clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 4, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Uh, important verse. In fact, the word sanctify or sanctified, the words sanctify, sanctified, or sanctification are used at least 164 times in Holy Scripture. In the Old Testament, things were sanctified. Things like Mount Sinai was sanctified or set apart as a place where God's law was given to Moses. The seventh day of creation was sanctified as a day of rest and recreation, uh, what we know as the Sabbath day. The altar of the temple, in fact, the temple itself, were, they were sanctified as places where God met the needs of mankind. As you move into the New Testament, people were sanctified. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, and so Jesus too suffered outside the gate that he might sanctify people with his own blood. In his last chapter, or his last prayer, I should say, for his disciples, before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed. In John chapter 17, these words, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, these are his disciples, but that you protect them from the evil one, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it, sanctify them, the disciples, by the truth, and your word is truth. The ultimate purpose of Christ and his death on the cross was not just to save us from our sins, but to save us from all sin. Christ not only wants to forgive our sins and become our Savior, he wants to cleanse us from the sinful nature and become the Lord of our life. The first work of God's grace in Christ is for our justification in the sight of God. We, we look righteous in his sight, and then we're regenerated from within and made righteous uh, in, in Christ. 
The second work of God's grace, however, in Christ is for our sanctification in which Christ sanctifies or cleanses us from the very sinful nature resulted uh, as a result of Adam and Eve's sin called the original sin. So this raises the question, what do we mean by sanctification? One of my favorite books is by Donald Metz. It's called Studies in Biblical Holiness. I'm confident it would be in your library, and, and in it he explains in these words. Entire sanctification is a crisis experience, even as regeneration is a crisis experience. To point to a second crisis is in harmony with both Scripture and the experience of sanctified people. To regard entire sanctification as a crisis does not minimize the revolutionary nature of regeneration or the first work of grace. Nor does the second crisis nullify the possibility of further growth in grace. Sanctification as a crisis conserves the work of regeneration. It magnifies the power of God and, and makes possible the greatest uh, spiritual growth. That is to say that we begin to experience a spiritual need and we grow toward God as we sense the, the poverty of our own spiritual need and we accept Christ as our Savior. And from that point, we continue to grow in grace, both enjoying our new life in Christ while at the same time sensing the struggle with the sinful nature that still remains and is at war with our new life in Christ. We arrive at a place of entire consecration where we then surrender our entire life to God and experience God's response of entire sanctification to us, cleansing us of the sinful nature and purifying our hearts by faith. And then from that point, we continue to grow in grace now instantly pure in our heart, but continuing to mature in character as we grow in grace. Thus, crisis and process. Not one or the other, but both in our lives. Donald Metz also spoke of a second crisis. He was not talking, when he spoke about the second crisis, he wasn't talking about crisis like an emergency. We have a crisis in our life. Rather, in theological terms, the word crisis means a definite moment of time. In a definite moment of time, a crisis moment in our Christian walk, following our conversion in which the Christian is now purified from all sin. Entire sanctification is really the completion of the work that God began in initial sanctification when he forgave our sins and came into our life as our personal Savior. John Wesley spoke of those who had received Christ as their Savior, but not yet gone on to receive the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit as those who were, quote, merely justified. He wrote, as yet they have not gone on for all the Lord has for them. For those who have, 
the heart cry of the person seeking the cleansing of the sinful nature, making Christ the Lord of their life is reflected in the song that says, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol and cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. But until that time, if you refuse to surrender to the Lordship of Christ, that song might be rendered this way. Lord Jesus, I long to be partially whole. I want thee part of the time to dwell in my soul. Break down a, a few idols and cast out a few, a few uh, foes. Wash me a little and I'll be somewhat whiter than I was before. So, Dr. C.W. Ruth, and this has helped me immensely, to understand the distinctions between our justification by faith and our sanctification by faith says these things. In justification there is life. In sanctification there is life more abundant. In justification there is love. In sanctification there is perfect love that casts out fear. In justification the sinful nature is repressed. In sanctification the sinful nature is destroyed. In justification there is peace with God. In sanctification there is the peace of God. In justification we put on our new life in Christ. In sanctification we lay down our old life with its sinful deeds. In justification we receive the right to heaven. In sanctification we're made fit for heaven. In justification, there is intermittent joy. In sanctification, the fullness of joy. Justification is obtained by repentance from our sin and faith in Christ. Sanctification is obtained by consecration of our life in Christ and faith in Christ. Justification delivers us from the guilt of sin and the condemnation that comes from outward sin. Sanctification delivers us from the unholy desires of the inner sin. Justification, he said, is like rescuing a, a man a drowning man from the water, whereas sanctification is like getting the water out of the drowning man. Justification is conditioned upon our confession of sin. Sanctification is conditioned upon our walking in the light as God is in the light. We can't miss it if we're walking in the light. Justification, he writes, has to do with sin as an act or sins that we commit. Sanctification has to do with sin as a, as a principle or the very sinful nature. Justification comes by the birth of the Spirit. Sanctification by the baptism with the Spirit. Justification restores us to favor with God, whereas sanctification restores us to the very image of God. Justification is the impartation of spiritual life. Sanctification is the destruction of the sinful nature. Justification is heart purity begun. Sanctification is heart purity finished. Justification takes us out of the world and sanctification takes the world out of us. These are the distinctions of these two precious, blessed, works of grace. How do you receive them? 
Well, let's talk about those. How do you experience the first work of grace? We call it salvation from our, the sins of our lives. There are two definite steps. I, I, if you want to add that you admit the need, then there's three. But ad- admitting the need, let's concede that point for the point of the message tonight. Two definite steps to accept Christ as our Savior in which he justifies us in the sight of God and imparts to us his righteousness in regeneration. Regeneration meaning new life. We have life again. We now are what we were meant to be in creation. We call it being born again. And the first step to this is repentance, which literally means a change of mind. We, we change our mind about ourselves and about God and who He is and our spiritual condition and we realize we desperately need a Savior from our sins and we come to God out of a sense of guilt for the sins that we have committed in our lives. It means we recognize that we're a sinner and that we feel a godly sorrow for our sins and we seek God's forgiveness. It also means we're willing with the help and the power of God Himself to forsake our sins and to... uh, to reach out to God. No one can reach out to God with one hand while holding on to their sins in the other. It means that we turn our back upon our past sinful habits. And the second step, after that repentance and all that it means, is to simply trust Christ alone for our salvation. We call this saving faith. And as a result, we become justified in God's sight. And you say, well, what do you mean by justification? It, it maybe it helps me to say, just as if I'd never sinned. I am justified just as if I'd never sinned to begin with. Praise the Lord. And then we're regenerated. That means we receive new life in Christ. We're saved from eternal punishment to a life of service with a promise of a home in heaven. The Bible then says a war begins in the life of such a Christian. The war with the remaining sinful nature that wars against the new life in Christ and the righteousness that has been imparted to us. This is the purpose of the second work of God's grace in our life to cleanse us of that sinful nature. And because there are two kinds of sin, the sins that you commit and the sin of Adam that you inherited, God has provided two remedies for that. And we've described the first to call justification and regeneration, other words like initial sanctification, in which we've been cleansed from the sins of our past. But there is a second work, that deeper work called entire sanctification, in which God cleanses the very sinful nature. How do you experience that? Well, as we experience and walk with God, that, that, and we have that tug of war between the sinful nature from our past and the sin of Adam in our life against the new life in Christ that we received when we came to Christ, we begin to sense there must be something more, a deeper life to which we may go. And we come to God this time not out of guilt because of sins that we have committed. Those have been forgiven. Now we come out of a sense of desire to receive everything that God has for us. We don't want the struggle with the very nature of sin. 
And whereas we repented from our sins to experience this first work of grace, the first step to entire sanctification is now not repentance but consecration. We consecrate to God the very life he gave to us in regeneration. We give it back to him in entire surrender. And we surrender everything we have, everything we hope to have, Everything we are, we ask Him to be the Lord of our life, the president of our life, the director of our life. The, we want Him in the driver's seat of our car. We want Him on the throne of our life. And we consecrate and elevate Him to Lordship. He takes that position of Lordship in our life. Well, the second step after we consecrate is then to simply trust in Christ alone for our sanctification, just as we trusted in Christ alone for our justification. And we call this sanctifying faith, much as we called the first word saving faith. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when we entirely consecrate ourselves to God and believe in Jesus Christ, to cleanse us, he does. The work is done. Praise his holy name. Some of my favorite scriptures. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said, I want these disciples whom I've already have come and followed me, I want Heavenly Father, he prayed, I want you to sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Paul said so clearly to our text tonight, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. And then he said in Romans 8, 1 and 2, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The battle is over. The struggle is defeated and victory is ours because of Jesus. This is the normal Christian life to which he has called us and for which Christ has provided with his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. As I've taught this in membership classes throughout these years of ministry, I, I began to think about how can I relate to the average layman in my church? And they get it. And this, this illustration came to mind. And let's say, let's suppose that for some reason you develop a, a, a blistering on your arm, a rash, a, some kind of a, an infection. It blisters. And uh, you, you think, man, that's scary. I don't, that's ugly, scary. I don't know what to do about that. So you go see your doctor and, your doctor says, well, I, I, I've got something for you. 
and he gives you a, a cream and he says you apply this uh, on the surface of that and uh, it'll just go away. And so you do. You apply it in the, the way it's meant to be applied and a couple of days later the redness is gone, the blisters are gone and, and man you're back to normal. Things are great. But a few days later it's, they, they begin to return Jim. And, uh, and the blisters come back and the reddening starts all over again and the itching and you think, man, I don't know what's wrong with that. I'm going to try that again. And you put more of the cream on the, on the problem and, and it begins to do its work and ultimately it goes away. You go, wow, finally. Man, I can get back to normal. A few days later, it begins to blister all over again. It begins to be infected. The redness returns. The itching comes back. And this time you think, I, I need more help. And so you ask your physician, he says, I'm not sure what the problem is, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. So you go to the specialist, you say, here's my problem. And every time I use this cream, it goes away, and every time I stop using it, it comes back again. He says, well, let me tell you why. Because the problem is not on the surface. You have an infection in your bloodstream. And until you have an antibiotic that completely kills the bacteria, this will continue to come back. So he gives you a prescription. You take the prescription, it kills the bacteria in the bloodstream, and you no longer have a problem on the surface. When you are justified by faith, you accept Christ as your Savior. The ugliness of sin, the guilt is broken for sure, but the power is still there. That's why the tug of war, so to speak. And you can ask God to forgive you, and you feel all good again. But not too long down the road, you have an encounter, and it goes sideways, and you're back at the altar. And you go, man, what's going on with that? Why did I blow up? Why did I have that issue why was it so big and so you ask God to forgive you and away you go again and not too long down the road temptation comes along or an opportunity and you make the wrong decision you go what was I thinking and you ask God's forgiveness again there is a deeper problem and you need the specialist called the Holy Spirit that cleanses the spiritual bloodstream. And when it's pure, those problems are no longer problems. You say, are you telling me I'm unable to sin? No, but hallelujah, you're able not to sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'd like for us to close by singing that chorus. Jonathan, you said you could get ready. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Fall fresh on me. If anyone has a desire to pray, the elders would be open for you. I want to respect our time in the next four or five minutes. And we could pray with you and others could return to the classroom if you'd like to pray. Let's, but let's sing it with just a heart of, of surrender and and consecration tonight as we think about what
the word has said to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. Oh God, you are the solution. You have the remedy. And I pray that you would just continue to speak to our hearts as we examine where we are in our walk with Christ. That Lord, if there's any impurity in our heart, that you would reveal it to us. And our answer would be yes, we see it and we surrender it to you for the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Praise